Our scripture today comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Good morning, church. For those joining us online, hello to you as well. You may have wondered if your pastor became a wolf man this past week. I did not. I just didn't wash my face, apparently, or something. So it's good to be back with you and those online as well. Uh, and uh, as we jump into a new sermon series. Woo! So we're excited about that. And actually, I'm really excited. I'm always excited about the new sermon series. We're trying to get close to home. And uh, maybe we'll be we'll close to home as well here. But before I get into the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our Lord, our right. Amen. Well, as many of you know, my family and I just got back from a Disney trip with four year old twins. Yeah. Let me tell you, as much as we try to prepare ourselves to eat, hot right I mean it was so hot 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 and uh, but we went and we had a great time and on that Disney trip we of course did many things over the week we went to many different of the all sorts of stuff but uh, we just had such a great time and going with four-year-olds is the amazement that they see all this and we had taken them when they were younger they seen some pictures of things and stuff like that but to see the amazement of all the different things when in the amazement of a four-year-old who's in 92 degree heat and the Florida sun is a little different than maybe, you know, on a new degree weather day, but we still had the best time ever and had a great time together. And uh, it was just a great time. What was interesting about that was uh, my kids, there's a, a, a set height requirement for many of the rides that is 40 inches. And there are a lot of rides that are below that, but 40 inches is kind of like a, a big milestone. And so my kids were right about that 40 inch mark. And there were many rides they couldn't ride, but there were many rides they could. And one of them was this one. Oh, behold, Slinky Dog in all of its glory. That's right. So if you ever go down to Disney World, there's a Toy Story World at Hollywood Studios. And this is kind of like the family ride of our trip because we started with Slinky Dog and we ended with Slinky Dog. Uh, and it was the kids kind of first roller coaster and so to see the kids like ride a roller coaster for the first time in their faces You know, Kenzie wasn't so sure about it at first But then she had a great time and Jackson was just laughing the whole entire time And then the second time we rode it Kenzie had the arms up like the true roller coaster ride, the whole ride And uh, was was rocking it out and it was a beautiful and wonderful thing, but we had the, a great time And it was amazing and uh, I just got to say, you know when you go and you have that much heat and you're just going and you, you know, you skip the naps and all that stuff with four-year-olds, there are a lot of moments that aren't like the family vacation, you know, you want to remember moments, right? And we had this one day that was uh, Animal Kingdom and the kids were just at this point being just crazy. I mean, you couldn't control them. They're being just not so crazy, all this different stuff. And we're leaving the park and Kelly and I are just sweaty. We're hot. We're like ready to just go and just hit the bed at the hotel and just knock out. And all the way stop and we see this photographer taking one of the you know, family pics things so we're like all right let's just do it and we take our picture and our family picture is ho-hum 
But then she, the photographer, she's like, hey, just have the kids in there and take, this, take another picture. So the kids, we go, all right, kids, it's just you. Smile this time, because you, know, you can't ever get them to both smile at the same time. We say, smile this time, and this photo happened, right? The picture of all pictures. This is the picture you're like, I don't know what else happened that day, but like this picture was worth it. So this is what we remember our vacation for. But just to remind you, in case you wonder if it was all picture perfect, no, it wasn't. There was lots of tears and crying and bribery and threats right before this picture was taken to it. And again, we had a really great time, but it was interesting though, because of course, being going to Disney World, it was interesting because the trip also convinced me of something else with it. And that is this post-pandemic world that we're in, or even kind of still ongoing pandemic world, or it was kind of in between and all those different things. The world has changed. And what I mean by that is not just the way we went through a pandemic, but the world has changed in some of the ways that like you can feel the loss or the change going on. And what I mean by that is one of the first things Kelly said when we first got down there and we hadn't even gotten off the bus Am I going out? Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to this one off? Okay. So one of the things that the, the pandemic, this world has changed so much is my wife even said as we got down there, she's like, you know, this has lost some of the magic. And what she meant by that was not just some of the things that will eventually work themselves out. Like when you go down there now, there's no... People are constantly arguing about the mask policies that they have. There's, you know, probably more alcohol I've seen from adults walking around the parks than I had ever seen before. The rides themselves, because of maintenance and all that, I think we're constantly breaking, and so you're constantly in line for doing different things and then going down and just maintenance deferred on things where there's glass cracks and stuff or just paint jobs that needed freshening or just paint jobs that look like they've just, you know, fallen down. Or, you know, a lot of people are upset about the fast pass changes or the shows not being back quite yet. A lot of the shows weren't back well at all these, but they'll work themselves out. But there was something else tangible, like that you couldn't quite say it, but some of the magic was gone. And what I mean by that was just some of the people and the magic of the people and the happiness of just you get to Disney and just everyone is just happy, right? Was not there. And you could feel it on the bus, even from just the bus driver to just the people on the bus as we went to our place, even when we checked in and the people there, we went to the gift shop and we went to go to the food uh, court kind of area. When we went to on the bus rides to get to the places and you could just feel it. It just didn't have that magical, happy place kind of vibe anymore. It kind of had lost some of that. And I thought to myself, you know what? If, if Disney World doesn't have that, then my gosh, where is it, right? Where is it in our world? That feeling of magic, that feeling of happiness, that ability to be just joyous and to just have a good time. And it occurred to me, you know, the world is not just going to go back to the way it was like that. And it's not just automatically going to do it. And in fact, the world is not going to be the same in some different ways, I think. And as I kind of just ponder this, I don't think these are things that are going to come back without effort. And just, that's not like a time heals all wound kind of thing. It's going to take effort to bring these back. Things like belief in the goodness of people. Things like joy in the moment. Something like joy, finding joy, that is, in others and their happiness or even just as we experience instilling that wonder in children to look upon something and go, that's 
Sleeky dog, right? And to be amazed in that moment. These are things that aren't going to come back without effort, without focus, and without sweat, blood, and tears. And so, Christians, today, as I thought about this in this post-pandemic world, I, we're doing a sermon series, and it's called Creation. And we're going to be looking at the story of Genesis. And you probably never thought about it in these ways, but we're going to be looking at it from a lot of different angles, and specifically not the angle that we oftentimes come and look at it. And what I mean by that is so many times we, in the last 200 years, and by 200, we, I mean like people of the Western cultures of the last 200 years, will come to Genesis, especially chapter 1. And the big question we're asking is, is this the literal beginning of the world or not, right? And all these type of questions of, is this literally a six, seven-day creation? Is this literally exactly how the sun was made? Is this literally how this happened? But instead, we're going to be coming to Genesis 1 and looking at something much, much deeper. And although we could talk much about those subjects and kind of, is it literal or is it not, and could look at different Christian thoughts all throughout basically 2,000 years of Christian understanding of these verses, and even the Jewish understanding before that, we're actually going to be looking at something quite different. And that quite different starts with the beginning of Genesis. Remember these words, let's hear them again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now what's amazing about that verse is... I don't know how God necessarily chose to do this. Did he choose to explain to the people how literal things began, or did he want to explain to them something much deeper? But he used some of the understandings of ancient peoples and how the earth was formed. And in fact, it's really kind of interesting to go do comparative literature, if you will, to other religions and other people groups of the ancient Near East about the time of the Israelites and to compare their beginning stories to the creation stories in Genesis. And what you find in their comparison is this idea that the world be started in chaos. That it was just utter chaos. There were like things like titans or dragons or great gods or battles that were that you know waged in this epic heavenly battle. And then all of a sudden, the earth, for instance, was formed out of the dead body of giants, if you will, or these mythological beasts, or these gods or goddesses. It was the chaos and chaos, and eventually some order was brought to it. But even the gods themselves were sort of undermined by chaos as this force of the universe, of this undergirding kind of thought that we'd almost call it entropy in our modern scientific minds, but this idea that constantly chaos is eroding away and there's a fight to even have any sense of order or being or, or even existence in this universe. And what's interesting is how Genesis, God explains to the Israelites who he was and who they are, he tells them, oh, you remember that chaos? Because the ancient Near Peepers, they, they use this description to describe chaos and that force, that primeval force that was also often coming against us. And that was, it was dark, watery depths. Of course, many of you are beachgoers. You've been on the beach or out, uh, maybe even been out at sea at nighttime. You've been on that boat or been on that beach as you look out upon the waters and you saw them in the day. You saw the waves coming and going, and you saw the ships bobbing up and down, and you saw the people getting tossed and turned by the waves that were just going out on the beach. And you've probably sat there on a night where you looked out and you saw darkness. Yet you heard the waves crashing. 
and you knew that in those depths there were all sorts of sea creatures that you didn't want to mess with at night, right? And be out in the water at, at night that could, that could take you down at any moment's notice. And you knew that to be out there, if you didn't see land on the horizon, and there were no lighthouses or anything, you were in trouble. Because that dark, watery darkness, that depth was going to take you. And that's how the ancient peoples described chaos. And in the beginning of Genesis, we're told this chaos existed. God was there. In other words, listen to these words again. Now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then the image there is this, this kind of just primordial soup of water, if you will, that's just wave upon wave and just darkness there and just, just kind of going and going and going. And it will just take anything that comes its way and bring it under. It was a dark, it was a shifting, it was a deadly thing, a scary and hopeless thing to talk about this chaos, this dark, watery depth. And hear that verse at the very end. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now what's so unique about the word spirit here in the, in the Hebrew language, it's the same word as breath. And even when you say it, it's got this like breathy kind of feel to it. And you can just feel like the image right here is of the watery chaos being there and God's spirit hovering over it. And just like the wind on the ocean, it's just tossing those waves and turning the waves every which way it wants to. But the God is there in the midst of the chaos. And our God is not only not afraid of the dark, watery depths, he commands the dark, watery depths. In order to really kind of delve into creation and kind of getting back and especially getting those things that are truly human things, things that we need in this world, the belief of goodness in people, the ability to have joy in the moment, the ability to have joy in seeing others and their happiness, instilling wonder in our children, all those things have to come back, but they have to come back with a sense of power against the darkness. And as we're going to look at just unveiling that in the next few weeks, where we got to start, though, is the fact that we serve a God that hovers over darkness in the creation of the world. He didn't fight any battles. He didn't have to slay any dragons. His spirit said, nope, here's the boundary. I hover over you. I command you. I make your waves go the way I wish they to go. In chaos, you exist. But I'm sovereign. We serve a God that's not only not afraid of the dark, watery depths. He created everything there was from them. This creator God is powerful. More powerful than all the cosmic beings that exist. All More powerful than all the cosmic powers that exist. All those primordial things that we don't even understand here and now, even in today's age. And even 4,000 years from now may not understand God was power over it. He was sovereign over it. And when you talk about the abyss, those dark, watery depths, and the idea of chaos, that's nothing compared to what we face today. And that same God that created the world and brought good things from the world is looking at the chaos that you and I experience here and now and in these moments and is saying, don't worry, I've got this. Not only don't worry, I got this, but hey, just a reminder, I created you. And you were good 
very good, the scripture says, when I created you. And not only did I create you, but even when you fell and turned away and became full of sin, I came after you. And that same God that created you and came after you not only did that, but died for you. Not only died for you, but rose again for you. Not only rose again for you, but instilled that same spirit inside whoever would believe in him and works with that person to bring in his kingdom. In other words, we talk about bringing the kingdom, but maybe we should say it in this way for the sermon series, to fight against the chaos and to command the waves of chaos and to bow them down so that the creation of God can take place from them. Before we can talk about what we're supposed to do, the first thing we got to settle with here today is the fact that God is powerful enough. We need to take joy in our Lord because he's powerful enough. Maybe you felt that darkness that I was talking about in these past 18, 20 months, 24 months, whatever it's been at this point, whoever was counting and whatever the correct count is, but whatever you've been feeling and whatever's been lost, we serve a creator, God, that commands the darkness. And that's creator, God, you can only serve him. We're his children with his spirit living inside us. And that's where the power is going to come from. As we talk about these next few weeks and redeeming this world once again and bringing back some of those things that we've lost, that we don't want to lose, that we want to carry on for our children and our children's children and for them to have a world that brings these ideas, keeps them sacred to its heart, and once again looks into that dark abyss and instead of cowering in fright, speaks, speaks light into the darkness. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word. And God, often as we come to your scripture, we can see things in new light. But as we remember the ancient Israelites as they read these scriptures, and even as we do today, we remember, God, that you gave these words to understand how the world was created that the forces of evil, the forces of chaos, the forces that would undermine everything and swamp it down and bring it down into the depths that would never see the light of day, that God, you were more powerful than them. And that God, even from that, you made creation and you made it good. And so God, we your people here today, once again, take heart because we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to wonder what the future holds. We don't have to wonder all these things, Lord. We can be filled with your power. And that, God, we can be like you, image bearers of the creator God in a world that needs it. So, Lord, may you bless these words, and especially as our hearts turn to you. God, help this to be a day where we once again remember your power. To take shelter in you, that you are our rock of ages. At last, we find our rest in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.